All right, well, let's start off this episode, episode 17, the Culper Kit Podcast. We have the usual suspect, Rafa, from FM of State of Mind, and today we have a special guest, Cesar Hernandez. He writes for ESPN FC, Footment Nation, Soccer Nation, and 442. You probably know him from his Instagram handle, where he just takes pictures of his cat. But thanks for coming on, Cesar. Yeah, man. I'm here to talk about my cat, DJ Cuddles. Uh, she's coming out with a movie this year. It's called... No, I'm kidding. I'm just messing with you guys. <laughs> Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, talking about, you know, kind of looking forward to, kind of looking forward to this group. I maybe this therapy session we're about to have, perhaps as a therapy session to other fans out there, you know, uh, about talking about that, that infamous Mexico match, which we will be talking about for many, many years, unfortunately. Many, many years. But before we go into the, the disaster, the debacle, as I'm calling it, um, let's just quickly go through the Copa America group stage. Uh, Mexico beat Uruguay. They beat Jamaica, and they tied Venezuela. But, Rafa, besides the Uruguay game, did they, like, look like the Mexico that we've been used to the last, I guess, 22 games unbeaten? Well, it's tough to say. If I'm being honest, it's just the matter of how Juan Carlos Osorio manages things. It's hard to judge because he's the kind of manager who, again, sets up matches according to the rival. And it's really hard to judge uh, a team on a basis of just one game uh, because according to him, every game is different. So every performance will, uh, will have some benefits and will have some consequence. Uh, now, again, barring that, that Uruguay game where they did get the win, uh, there were issues with the Jamaica game. There, there were issues with the Venezuela game. And I think eventually it caught up uh, against Chile, but all in all, Mexico did not look very good. So sorry, do yeah, you, was... you agree with that? Oh, yeah, most definitely. I mean, it's, it's, the problem is that, I mean, you look at those results, yeah, like on paper, you know, Mexico ended up finishing at the top of the group, and, you know, they ended up getting, you know, continuing that undefeated run before the Chile game. And the issue was we all were skeptical of what Osorio was doing, but we all still had faith because we said, well, you know, even though we're, we're not really convinced by his, you know, atypical formations and lineups and whatnot, you know, he's still finding those wins. And then it all kind of blew up <laughs> in that match against Chile. But yeah, no, I think you can you can see those little hints, those little signs, uh, especially against Jamaica, uh, where Mexico was starting to struggle. And you saw that in Venezuela as well. But you know, it was crazy because you know after the match against Uruguay, people were saying just like, oh, you know, Mexico, they're they're title contenders now. You know, you know, they're and people were saying that beforehand. But it was even it was uh, reinforced after that match against Uruguay. Yeah, but the Jamaica game, that was just, I was watching that, I was at the edge of my seat thinking, wow, this because this back line, and then we'll get to the rotations, but the back line looked terrible against Jamaica. That was just like a precursor to the Chile game, but just so many bad passes. They kept trying to build out the back, even though Jamaica was trying to get to every ball, and it was just, it was just, it was a rough game against Jamaica. And thank no, God I... that Donaldson, uh, the striker from Jamaica, that he, that's, that was one of the worst performances yeah. I've ever seen, like in, in the... I mean, maybe not, that's that's exaggerating. That was probably one of the worst performances I've seen from a striker during the Gulf of America. Is probably that worse more... than Enter Valencia? Yeah, I would agree. I think it, would, it is definitely worse. But yeah, it, luckily for Mexico, uh, he was just completely off form in that match. Well, what I was going to say was um, you, you made a really good point. I think if there's two games we can compare in this tournament for Mexico, it's the Jamaica game and the Chile game. There were two very similar games in a sense uh, because 
Jamaica basically took advantage of the same issues Mexico suffered against Chile. The difference was Chile was ridiculously clinical. Jamaica was not. Yeah. I mean, you could easily make the case that Mexico would have, could have been down 3-1, 3-0 at halftime to Jamaica because they had so many chances. All right, most definitely. I think, you know, you, you know, I think Ochoa did well during that match, too. Like, I think, uh, I mean, if, if we're looking at the group stage, I would say, I mean, I guess it could be argued that uh, Chuy Corona had a decent match in the Venezuela match, but I would say that Ochoa had the best performance. But yeah, but as we mentioned, you know, that group stage, it, it, it gave us little hints of what was to come. It gave us little, a little quick little reminders that, you know, Mexico, they weren't, they weren't nearly as dominant as we expected them to be uh, in the, against these opponents. Against Uruguay, yeah, I mean, we've, we luckily we got that early own goal that Uruguay scored, so that gave us a little bit of momentum in that match. But yeah, in Jamaica, Venezuela, there were you know, little tell telltale signs of what was to come. It's just, and then that last game against Venezuela, I was at that game, and it was just, man, it was just like we could not do anything right. It was the problems moved away from the back line to the attacking. We just could not finish. And I'll, I'll give this the Venezuela keeper, I forget his name, but he was really good that game. Yeah, Hernandez. Yeah. yeah. And it took some Tecatito magic to, to get us that tie even. And we were all happy. Hey, we're avoiding Argentina. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> we, let's see how this goes. Yeah, let's, let's let's see how this game against this Chile team we recently beat in a friendly. No big deal. But also, yeah. let's, not, let's not bring up the fact that we also struggled in that match and also somehow emerged with a victory even though Chile was... You know, was the more dominant team during that game. We had, we had to have some sort of late heroics from Chicharito. But the one thing that at least gave me and maybe some Mexican fans was, oh, we basically played a lot of reserves to start that game. You know, against Chile. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe no, 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 it was, I was no, feeling no. confident. Uh, no, that that's an excellent point. Uh, that's that's a that's a good thing to to bring up. But I, it definitely gave me some worries. Um, and I know that we were using a lot of backup players, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it made me yeah a little worried for about Mexico's future during the Copa America. But you know they ended up getting in first, and then yeah, man, I just I, I can't now. I'm starting to think about that's that seven nothing game. It's just that's all that's coming up in my mind. You know, I'm bringing up oh you know Venezuela blah blah blah, and then boom, just immediately think of that seven nothing result. All right, well let's get to that seven zero result. <laughs> Do we have? To? Yeah. I mean, we'll touch on it real quick. <laughs> Talk about it for maybe like a minute, right? Oh, that's about how long I was confident in that game. About the first minute, and then after that, it was just, I was like, please, please get to halftime. Just, I was really actually happy in the 40th minute. I was like, okay, we'll go down to halftime. We'll be down one goal. You know, it's not the end of the world. But, man, was I wrong. <laughs> yeah. That was, uh, I mean, it was, it was a perfect, it was a perfect storm, you know. I think. We all talk about how poor Mexico was, but I think something that people aren't bringing up enough was just how amazing Chile was. They were just fantastic. That was, it, it was a completely dominance, and you know, you know, they they just they just shut down Mexico everywhere. You know, we tried giving the we tried giving the ball out to the wings, and they shut us down. We when we were in the back, they pressured us enough for us to make dumb de dumb decisions and give up the ball fairly easily. You know, they controlled the midfield. It was. Yeah, Mexico played badly, and I think personally, I think we should give um, most of the fault. I, mean, I think most of the fault should go to the players. I know we, it, part of the fault I think is Osorio, but man, just Chile were amazing that day. It was, it, it was, they were incredible. 
And I know, Rafa, you talked about this, that it seems like Mexico just played right into uh, PC's plans. Yeah, it's... I, I kind of disagree. I give more of the fault to, to Osorio. It, it's quite obvious he got the, the... The game plan was just completely off. It was ridiculously off. Uh, I think for me, it, it was quite simple. Again, we I brought that I brought this up just, just recently about the Jamaica game, which is a very similar game. Uh, and I wrote back then uh, with the Jamaica game that uh, it's difficult for for a team like Mexico to to try to play with three with three defenders on the back. I know I know they didn't come out with three defenders against uh, Chile, but it, it was a very similar lineup in the sense that uh, Mexico sort of just went for it. And um, it's very difficult to have a guy like Nestor Araujo or guys like Yasser Corona uh, perform jobs that in, in the real world, in club levels, only the Alabas and the Philip Lams can perform. Uh, it's asking too much for a guy like Yasser Corona or Nestor Araujo. I know Yasser Corona didn't play against Chile, but again, that's just an example. Uh, these are difficult tactics. This is something you don't learn uh, uh, in a matter of weeks or, or even months. This, this is a long, long, long process. So to kind of risk it and play that sort of way in a tournament like this, sort of you can't forgive Osorio for that, in my opinion. Uh, now, you can't blame Osorio for going for it against a, t- a team like Chile because Mexico do have good players like Andres Guardado, like Hector Herrera. But, I mean, at the end of the day, Chile were just completely dominant. They took advantage uh, of every little space, and they made Mexico suffer. In a way, though, Cesar, doesn't it, you, don't you? I know Rafa's going on, but don't you almost commend Osorio for saying he for believing in his players that hey, we can play this way. We we are up to this level, but it just did not work out for him. I mean, personally, like yeah, I I think I do agree that you know you, he can't be messing around the formations during the group stage. He can't be. I mean, this is his, his first national team job, and he was treating that group stage as if it was the middle of the regular season for a club team. You know, like that's that's what it kind of seemed like to me. And he shouldn't be doing that. I think he should be instilling a little bit more confidence by playing certain players a little bit more regularly. But when I look at that formation, when I look at that those players, you know, a four-two-three-one against Chile with a, and I know Araujo was in that back line, but I think if he was one of the few players who, I'm not going to say that he impressed me and that I thought he was amazing, but he, I thought he was going to be worse. Well, I guess we could just put it that way. And he uh, stepped up to the cage on a, especially in a. I think they're which which match there was, was a breakaway one time where I did not think he was going to catch up to the Chilean player. I forget who it was, but he caught up yeah. there and he made like that sliding tackle just to nudge the ball yeah. off his foot. Yeah, but then again, you could also say he really struggled during that second half. But I, I, I mean, when, as I mentioned, when you look when you look at that starting lineup, you know, the four two three one, you see Layun and Aguilar on the wings. You see Moreno in the center defense. You see Ochoa in net. You know, Guardado, Tecatito, Lozano, Hector Herrera, Chicharito. Like you know what? Other than perhaps Rafa Marquez, you know that, that seemed like a that seemed like a pretty strong lineup. That seemed like, and he he switched to a back line of four. So, yes, I I think, I, I, yes, I think that the fault does lie a little bit on Osorio for tinkering with the formations earlier on in the tournament. I think he should be at fault there. But I think looking at those players, you know, they, I don't know, I I, I can't help but feel like you know like more of the fault should be put on them. Yeah, I mean. Like you're saying, that is "quote unquote" our most talented, best lineup, barring maybe a couple, I guess, choice. But it's not. It's not like he's starting, uh, Candido Ramirez or anything. You know, like these are, these are like the core of the players that I think a lot of these guys we're going to be taking them to 2018. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think you do, my, you, no, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, no, oh, go my, sorry. My argument was just in general, you can't expect a player to oh yeah to oh, perform yeah. At, in mm-hmm. a position that's quite unfamiliar to them. Uh, without going too much, we won't go into styles and stuff like that. Uh, but it's like saying having Mexico play uh, a long ball game where they try to control aerial the aerial game where we know that's not a very good idea because us Mexicans are not very tall. Uh, so you can't play a game like that. So it's it's a matter of just finding the right style. And for me, uh, one of the biggest things about this tournament is Juan Carlos Osorio didn't find that exact style that fits the Mexican player. And he tried sort of playing this, uh, let's adapt to the opponent. Uh, and when it came to Chile, this is a team that's technically superior to Mexicans. So as a consequence, he he just got slaughtered. I mean, for me, it's a matter of why didn't he just go with four, same formation, but maybe sat back a little bit more rather than playing this game where, you know, you're going to lose. That's that's my only complaint for Osorio. But again, I understand that he has every right to believe that his players can go ahead and take on a Chile uh, and play their game. Uh, it happened in that friendly against San Diego. Mexico played their game and they came out with the win. It wasn't uh, amazing by any means, but they got the win. Maybe he thought that would happen the second time. Unfortunately, it didn't. Uh, and now we're here talking about it. <laughs> and I agree with you. And I, I think something that I've been thinking about for a while is if, you know, if we were, I mean, I don't know what, what you guys think, you know, what your thoughts are on this, but, you know, were we, uh, were you, were we feeling a little too confident going into this match? Were we, at least from me, from my own perspective, I was thinking about the semi, I was already thinking about the semifinals and the final. You know, and I felt like a lot of that pressure was put on the Mexican national team as well. You know, everybody talk about the undefeated run they had. Everybody talk about, oh, they're the obvious home team. You saw those attendance numbers. They finished first in their group. And sometimes I, what I've been thinking about just recently, the past, you know, like I said, the past couple of days is whether I felt too confident and whether maybe there's certain people on that team and maybe even Osorio a little bit who were given a little bit too much confidence when they should have recognized that, you know, Chile, you know, man for man are probably the better side. Yeah. I mean, I was feeling confident, but at the same time, I, you know, talent wise, I think this is one of the more talented teams Mexico's had. Um, and I, I actually, I have faith in Osorio that he would adapt whether it was, he came out with the wrong formation. I could see him. Okay. Well, you know what? He's done that before and he'll switch his formation, you know, and not even wait till halftime and switch his tactics. And they just didn't do it this time. It just, it was, he was almost, and I'm not going to say it's as bad, as bad as it was with Chepo, but it was almost like, you know, when Chepo came out with his tactics and, you know, it wasn't working and he just, he just said, you know what, I'm just going to bring more forwards on. It almost <laughs> felt like that where it was obviously not working, but we didn't do anything about it. We just kept hoping, well, it'll work eventually. Yo, for me, I think you're completely right. I, I'm exactly like you. I was really confident about this team. I think this team had enough to make the semifinals. Uh, and I honestly didn't expect Mexico to come out the, the way they did against Chile. I expected a more conservative game. I think after the first friendly, I expected Mexico to sit back a little deeper, uh, try to play a little bit more direct, maybe send a, a long ball towards Tecatito or Nervin Lozano and see what happens then. Uh, but I was confident that this team had enough to, to at least make the semifinals. Do I think the players were feeling that same way? I, I think they were a bit. Uh, I think you could even see it in the game. When you were down 3-0, it's, it was sort of just chaos because they knew that this was practically over. So let's just you know, bring anarchy to the game and try to get at least a goal or something, which was at the end of the day uh, a bad thing because 
they ended up scoring four more goals. But no, yeah, I completely agree with you. I think overconfidence definitely played a part in this. And uh, more importantly, how did you guys feel for Ochoa? I felt so bad for Ochoa back there. He was just flailing <laughs> at the ball. Like there was that one goal where Layun was. He thought Aguilar was, or so he thought Moreno was going to kick it. So, then, so he did. Yeah, he him, that, was, that was like slapstick comedy right there. <sighs> oh my god! And then nobody kicked it, and next thing you know, that ball is through the roof. And I'm like, I think that was the fourth <laughs> goal, wasn't it, or fifth goal? That's sad. I can't even keep track. I don't know I kind of I kind of like blacked out or something. Just you know, just, it's all it's all a blur to me. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, I I do feel bad for him. I think um, his positioning could have perhaps been better in a you know a couple of those goals. But yeah, I think that the, the defense was non-existent. It was com- it was completely non-existent, and I feel bad that you know apparently you know you know Barcelona were watching. Uh, apparently, yeah. you know the rumors are saying that you know they were watching Moreno. And uh, I mean, I think it's a little naive to assume that Barcelona will will make a final judgment, or Barcelona will only, you know, their only perspective from Moreno will be based off this one game. Because in reality, they've probably been scouting him for God knows how long, probably for yeah. a very long time. I mean, he but, was just across the street at Espanol for like four, three or four years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I mean, I, oof, that must have been brutal for them to watch that must have been uh, I, 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 that didn't do much to help uh, let's just say that I mean I can't remember the last time he's even given up seven goals like I can't even think of the last time he gave up like more than one or two goals for Mexico I mean it's been a long time probably 2013 for Ochoa to give him more than one or two goals but that was just like I was just watching it and then just and this is just the issue with Osorio. Like they kept, they kept trying to pass it out of the back, and it just was not working. And then it just led, to, it just led to unforced mistakes where there's just a bad, a bad pass or a bad back pass, and it was a three on one. It was like a basketball. It was like three on one fast break. Yeah. See, I know it's an unpopular opinion, and you guys know I'm a big fan of Raúl Jiménez, but I think Raúl Jiménez shouldn't have started that game. I think he's the only player who is physically and technically fit to. To play a more direct game, uh, in a in a game like this, you can't come out playing with the ball because Chile's pressing is just insane. It's ridiculous. So I think it would have worked a little bit better if Mexico played the long ball and sent it to a guy like Raúl Jiménez, which physically is more imposing against a smaller Chilean player. I know it's an unpopular opinion because you know you have a guy like Irving Lozano and Tecatito on the wing, and and these guys are are insanely talented as well. Uh, but I think Raúl Jiménez would have helped in this game. I mean, I, I thought he was going to start uh, Jimenez on the right wing. I mean, he he's been playing that uh, quote unquote yeah. target winger position pretty well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he got he got those two assists. I mean, they were they're very kind of last second, you know, one little quick touch assist. But he got those two assists in the in the match against uh, against Uruguay. You know, mm-hmm. and I think uh, and I, I I don't know if it, I know maybe maybe it isn't as unpopular as you think it is. I I would have been okay with him to start. I think he is. If we're talking about a few of the players who at least had something to take away with from the tournament, I think Raúl Jiménez is one of those players, and especially in the last game, I think he was a player I was most impressed with the most. At the very least, he, you know, he had a little bit more drive, he had a little bit more energy, he had a little bit more momentum, and want he wanted Mexico to score. I mean, there was one moment where, what was it like? Uh, he got he got it. He was uh, he had his back against the net. He got a pass that popped up in the air a little bit, and I could sense, and you could sense it too. I thought like, he was, he was do thinking it. about. <laughs> Yeah, you thought he was gonna. He was thinking about that bicycle kick. Like you, like you can you can see it. And he was generally, you know, pushing for Mexico to get the goal. Sometimes it felt like he was the only player 
out there, and especially yeah. with Tecatito and, uh, and you know and Lozano, they're really. I mean, I mean, if we're talking about yeah, like um, like you guys are mentioning, like if we're talking about physical presence. You know, you know, Tecatito and Lozano were just getting pushed off the ball. They were being outmuscled that entire game, and they were getting shut down every single time that we were giving them a ball out in the wings. Because they were given, they were on an island. They would, one of them would get the ball, and usually you would expect Herrera or Guardado to make a run or something, but like no one, no one did anything. It was just all right, Tecatito, take on these two guys and maybe give a cross to a five nine Chicharito in the box. You know, which. It's not really going to work against Chile. Well, let me ask you yeah. guys a question. Um, speaking of Lozano, do you think the game was a little too big for for a youngster like Lozano? I think he's stepped up in past past games. I think uh, even though he's very young, what is he? Is he, is he twenty or twenty two? I forget. I think he's nineteen. I think. Or... No, I think. I think he is twenty. Twenty. Okay. Oh, 20. Yeah, I, I, I've got him confused with the other Pachuca guys who are twenty two. But um, no, I think. Uh, I think this is good for him. I think Lozano needs these kind of needs these kind of games. I think, uh, based off what I've seen him, you know, doing with Pachuca and the Liga Mekis, I think he needs to take a step up, and I think he needs to be playing these kinds of games. Um, you know, whether it benefited him or not, you know, to be playing right there. I mean, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure, but I think uh, I think it's good for him. Uh, to play in these kind of matches, and I think he's capable of doing it. He, we, we just need to perhaps give him a little bit more time as well. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I was not, even though I would have preferred Jimenez start. I wasn't. I did not think he was. It's not like he started. Like I'll say it again. I'm not trying to rip on the guy, but it's not like he started Canelo Ramirez. You know, like <laughs> Lozano has close to like what 100 M, uh, Liga MX games under his belt already. He just played a final. I mean, I don't think the game was. I think the opponent knew exactly what to expect from him and. You know, let him do, let him dance around. But once he tried to go any forward, there was two guys on him. That's one thing I keep thinking about too. There's all those rumors that he's gonna be going to Manchester United and whatnot. And I'm thinking about him and the EPL just getting pushed around, yeah. getting out. Again, <laughs> I'm imagining him just not being able to have that much much possession because of. I mean, he's still a young kid, and also he's not a, he's not like it's not like he's a tall, imposing player either. It's something that I keep thinking about every time I hear those rumors. Yeah, I agree. I don't think he's physically made for the Premier League. No, and I almost rather him not go to yeah. United. But the problem with like these Mexican teams, especially by and I don't blame them. They're gonna want top dollar, and who can afford top dollar? Who can afford to pay fifteen million dollars for a for a? I guess I'm gonna call it you know a project, a project player. Yeah, no, most definitely. But yeah, no, I think it's. Unfortunately, I mean, I think uh, I feel like he he should do something like take a, what I call as the Tecatito route, you know, go over Eredivisie, play for play for a small club, work your way up, maybe play for a bigger Eredivisie club, maybe go to Italy, maybe go to Spain. But I, I I've always liked the idea of uh, you know for for a player you know of his caliber to to start small, you know, make that gradual move up. I think uh, everybody wants to be a Chicharito, but I think a Chicharito was a that's a very rare case for those players going abroad. Yeah, but Rafa, like we were saying, can any team in the Eredivisie actually afford to buy him? Uh, that's tough. <laughs> but, <laughs> but see, if, if Pachuca really cared about their players, maybe they, they'd sell him for a discounted price, knowing that... And keep some of his rights? That's what I would that... do. I would sell him, but keep... Maybe sell him for a cheaper rate, but keep 40% of a future fee. Because, I mean, like if I'm being... 
if I'm being honest, I think this whole Manchester United thing is just, oh, it's just you know a tactic yeah. to oh, yeah. to up his price. I, oh, I really don't believe oh, that. Mourinho course, is yeah. after him. Trust me, he, he is it. Yeah. I mean, ask, he doesn't even play youngsters. Ask Davila so. how, he, how Mourinho treated him. Yeah. So no, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think so. But again, I, I completely agree with you guys. I think he should go to a league like the Dutch league, like the Portuguese league. I mean, even the Spanish league. The Spanish league is not. not I mean, it's they don't have enough money either. But well, no, it, it's a good thing league. With the Spanish league is like, I, like I tweeted out last night. There's a new TV deal for the Spanish league starting this yeah. season. So. I know you're going to be a little sad, but I think Edwin Cardona might be going to La Liga next year. Yeah, Edwin Cardona. I'd, 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 I'm, I'd be amazed if he was a sticker on Liga Mekis for another season. Not, not, that's not, nothing to say about Liga Mekis, more so just the, the type of player that Edwin Cardona yeah. is. Let's not make it the Edwin Cardona podcast here. Because <laughs> right, I, I can go all day about how, how great this guy is. Uh, who's that other guy in Argentina you like? Uh, Pizarro? Oh, Pizarro, but he didn't make it, so oh. I think Biglia recovered in time. So. Uh, okay. Well, I guess we're talking about players. Like, anyone else besides maybe uh, Jimenez or Tecatito or, I mean, Lozano that, you know, improved their club or national team careers after this tournament? Like, I can't think of any standouts or anyone who was, like, put on any more radars than they were beforehand. Well, I was going to say Nestor Araujo. I know. Me too. I agree I, with I that. Picked yeah. on him. I picked on him a little bit earlier, but... What you asked of him, he he did it excellently. I mean, you can't complain about the guy. It's not his fault. He's he's not Usain Bolt, and he can't track back, uh, insane. <laughs> you know, to track back and take on Alexis Sanchez. It's not his fault. But other than that, I mean, the guy was superb. I think he did uh, what he had to do, and he had already been showing this with Santos Laguna this past season. I know I'm the only, possibly the only one who was really big on him until. He got called up, and he started performing really well. But he's been doing this for a while. He's the guy who took over Alanis's spot when Alanis got injured in that championship run with Caixinha. So he, he's been doing well for a while, and I think he, if Osorio stays, I think he, he's a guy we'll, we'll be able to see more often. Yeah, and he's the guy that's been linked. He's been linked to a Bundesliga, Benfica, too, allegedly. But... And it's also, I, when I hear about him, for some odd reason, I think that he's older than he actually is. I mean, he's still he's still only twenty four years old. It's not like yeah. he's a uh, he's already peaked or anything. Now he's he's still got time to develop as a player. And I was definitely one of those people who were highly who you know who was really highly critical of Osorio for bringing him in and for starting him as well. But I think he uh, he wasn't amazing. Uh, but he uh, if we're talking about players who might have helped themselves a little bit, you know, I think uh, I think Araujo is one of those players. And also Rafa Marquez. Like who? Like honestly, like I, I'm, I'm done with the guy. He needs to move on. But that guy really showed how important he is to the Mexican national team, and it hurts me because I felt like I've, I've said this so many times. Just I criticize the fact that Rafa's in the team, and then he looks like one of the best players. And like at this rate, he, it's, this is gonna, he's just gonna, he's gonna captain Mexico the next World Cup, the next 15 World Cups at this rate. <laughs> he's gonna have to say. Thanks, but no thanks. Like at, he's gonna have to retire from the national team before Osorio, or maybe his Osorio's successor. Because you know, one thing's certain: Rafa will be here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he's gonna have to say no or something because they're gonna keep calling up. Because like you said, even if he doesn't do anything on the field, he's just a player coach. You know, just keep him in the locker room. Leadership qualities. Yeah, but yeah, I think uh, that was another, especially after his. 
his season with Atlas, which I was not impressed by at all whatsoever. You know, maybe it's because I have very high expectations of Rafa, or but um, yeah, I was not impressed by that. And but yeah, once again, he returned to the national team and you know proved that he was he's still a key component, whether we like it or not. But I think it's time for him to move on. I think it's time for a uh, because we're not gonna. I mean, I was joking around, but we're not going to have him at the next World Cup and we need to start preparing for that next World Cup and this next cycle and we need to look at other options uh, for someone to take over for him you know as whether it be you know in right there in defense in a three-man back line or whether you know it's one of the options as a defensive midfielder so you think he should you think he's done after this I think after this tournament whatever whatever next Moleto game we have let's just do a little testimonial to Rafa Marquez Send him we'll to the Olympics. Send him to the Olympics. Let, let that be his goodbye. That's what I was thinking up until he got called up into the Copa America squad. Then I was like, all right, Rafa's never going to leave. But <laughs> I say that like sad, but I mean, I love him. I mean, oh, yeah. who doesn't love Rafa Marquez besides Kobe Jones? Americans. Yeah. Americans. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to Osorio. I mean, I think we kind of touched on this already, but I. I, I don't think he should be fired, and I think he's going to go back, go through his notebooks, and see, you know, first of all, he's going to get mad at himself for not carrying an extra red pen, but <laughs> he's going to go through his no- I think he's going to learn from this, and I think I think this is a good wake-up call for the team in that, hey, you know, you were saying you were confident. Maybe it's like, hey, we're CONCACAF good, but we're not world-class good yet. Let's keep going at it, you know? Yeah, I think Osoto deserves a significant amount of criticism, like a huge amount of criticism. But I think uh, it'd be a little rash and hasty to to already fire him. You know, Mexico has done this before, uh, where they've given managers little to no time and fired them, and we saw how that went. You know, he hasn't even been charged for 12 months, and people are already calling for him to be fired. And uh, personally, I think that's I think that's a I think that's a that would be a big mistake because I still like the guy. And I know he's extremely unpopular right now for obvious reasons, but uh, you know, it's, I like the fact that he's you know, he's very different. You know, he's he's you know he's a 180 from Pio Herrera. You know, Pio Herrera would give you the formation and the lineup the night before, even if he didn't give it to you, you knew exactly what he was going to be doing. You know, Soli he doesn't like giving up that information. He like you know he's a little bit different. He's a little bit more methodical. He's a little bit more. You know, he likes he likes to make changes, likes to tinker for better or worse. And then, you know, as we saw during this Copa America, it was for worse. And you hope that next time around that there's a tournament, he'll play with a little bit more, you know, he'll be a little bit more regular with the players that he utilizes. Um, but I like the guy. I think uh, he's different. He's and he's a little unpredictable, uh, especially with the players that he chooses. But I have faith that I I still have faith in the guy. I still have faith that he's going to do something positive for the national team, whether he makes it to the next World Cup. I'm doubtful about that because, you know, being a Mexico manager is a very fickle job. <laughs> so, but, um, but yeah, I, I think he, yeah, he, it, it would be genuinely ridiculous if he were fired. Rafa? Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think when it comes to Osorio, one thing is losing in the, in the quarterfinals in a way. Another thing is losing the fashion they lost, uh, which means that I think he's exhausted all his all his chances he had left. No so more I get think, out of jail cards? Yeah, no more get out of jail cards. <laughs> this is it for him. I think if he has a slow start to hexagonal, I think it's chow chow, uh, you know, goodbye, good luck in Colombia or something. Uh, but uh, I think he should stay. 
the thing that is tough for Osorio, I think, again, Cesar brought this up earlier about um, it's his first time taking over a national team. It's a lot different than being with the same guys over and over again for, you know, seven to eight months straight in a year. Uh, it's different. You see these guys only a few a few weeks a year, uh, and, and you can't develop a style of play in a matter of months. Or, you know, is Osorio has not been like he said. Osorio hasn't been there for more than a year, so it's tough. He he has his own challenges. He he needs to learn from this. Uh, one thing he can't be forgiven is the fact that again, for me, it, it, the big point here is that he didn't correct those mistakes we saw in the first Chile game he continued with that same style and he got punished for it uh, which is does not look good for him I, I think any coach would have gone back seen the tape and said look we did this wrong we're going to fix this Osorio failed to do that and they paid the price again this is his only chance he only has one chance left if he would have lost you know even 3-0 we would have been like okay you know he'll he'll have you know chances in the future to prove himself but a 7-0 you, you know you just can't forget that I think he only has one chance left and this is it uh, he has no room for error he needs to do his best I guess the best I can say is uh, you know do his best as a coach to to prove his doubters wrong because the Mexico fan is not happy I mean, it's obvious they're not happy no, I think he probably I... had like three chances but after the fifth after the sixth and after the seventh goal I'm like, all right, that's it. And yeah, at that point too, it's just, you know, whether it's three nothing or seven nothing. I think after, I mean, what after like the fourth goal, like at that point, do you like? I mean, I'm, I'm, this is once again pointing at the manager and pointing at the player. Is that was it more so of the of a manager's you know fault for his tactics? Is that more so of the player just completely giving up on the pitch? You know, whether at that it, point it's... it looked like Osorio can say, "Hey, play a back eight, and they would have still scored. Just the, just the. Bo- <laughs> I hate to say it because I hate when people, I hate when like sports people say it, but man, that body language was, was just, oh, it was just like, get me out of here, get me back to my vacation. It was just like, I do not want to be here. Well, I think the part we're ignoring is that let, let's talk a little bit about Chile. The fact that Chile just Juan Antonio Pizzi just took over Chile and his start with the but the national team was not pretty. He was receiving criticism from all over the place. It wasn't just Chilean media, it was fans. They were just not happy with Juan Antonio Pizzi. So in a way, I think Chile just scoring as many goals as they wanted was just a sign of, you know, proving their doubters wrong. Chile was more than happy to keep scoring goals. I think they had to get that chip out of their shoulders where they just wanted to score as many goals as possible to show those people who just criticized them and told them, they're not going to repeat. They're not going to win the Copa America again just to prove them wrong. I think it just all combined, and unfortunately for Mexico, they were at the receiving end of it. Uh, but I think, I think agree, yeah. let, let's not ignore Chile. I think they, they had the, pro- the point to prove, and they felt like it, it was the right thing to do, just score as many goals as possible to prove a point here. And as I mentioned, it was just, it was just a perfect storm. I know it just... Chile had something to prove. Mexico weren't playing well. Um, you know, Chile, they, they had that chip on their shoulder. I mean, they are the current champions, but no one's really treating them like the current champions. Maybe that has more to do with, maybe it's more of a marketing thing and a promotional thing where the team that's, you know, for right now is getting the most attention is Argentina because of Lionel Messi and everyone keeps talking about Argentina and after that, Colombia. But because that, you know, you, people haven't really been talking about, or before the match, they weren't really talking about Chile that much. So I could I could see why they would be highly motivated you know, especially against someone like Mexico, you know, who beat them fairly recently in San Diego in that friendly. So, yeah, no, like as I mentioned, it was a it was a perfect storm 
for for that for that result for Mexico. And let's be honest, no one likes Mexico but Mexico fans. Oh like, yeah, dude. I imagine we're pretty, we're we're probably pretty. Everyone uh, probably I, really. Hate, yeah. <laughs> I was talking to people at the bar, people who weren't even fans of either team, but they were like they were like Honduran or they were Guatemalan. They were like you know from Central America, and they all every Central America country hates Mexico. There's, no one likes anything more than to watch Mexico get taken off a pedestal. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you guys a question. Final one here. Uh, do you think that this? I know Cesar brought it up a bit about how this defeat will be remembered for years. Do you honestly think that this this defeat will leave a huge scar in Mexican soccer, or are we exaggerating a bit? I think. It, it it would only define Mexican soccer if we go on a crappy losing streak or if we struggle in the hex and then people will be like, it all started with that 7-0 loss. But no, if, we, if we come yeah. back and we close out the, the the year in a winning streak, which we probably should because I think we play – who do we play? I forget who we even play. I think we play two, one more or two more qualifiers and then we're out of the hex. Yeah. I don't see us losing I, those I two games. So. I think there's a friendly in like – in October, October, Tennessee yeah, or Nashville, which yeah. I heard might be against USA. Again, <laughs> it's a football stadium, you know. Yeah, they're, crazy. they're already selling tickets with the opponent wow. TBD. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I think, um, I think a lot of it depends on how Mexico, you know, you know, rebounds from this. You know, if if they start losing and Osorio starts. You know, struggling and perhaps I mean, here's here's the thing about Osorio too is that you know we're all talking about what you know. Oh, hopefully he's going to learn his lesson. I mean, it's Osorio. For all we know, he's not going to change a single thing, and he's going to still continue to do the same exact stuff. And Mexico might still have problems, might still continue to struggle. Maybe he will learn his lesson. Maybe we'll, Mexico will find those results against what should be you know fairly easy opponents. And if we're looking at you know the rosters from Mexico and our Concacaf opponents. But yeah, I think I, I personally think I'll. It's this is going to linger in my mind for a long time, and I think it, would, especially because there were such high expectations for Mexico into this in this tournament. People were talking about, you know, as we talked about, you know, that if there is a tournament for Mexico, if there is a time for Mexico to win the Copa America, this is it. You know, they've got uh, they've got a bunch of young talent. They have some great veterans. The Europeos were doing extremely well. They're playing the United States. There's a lot of you know, there's a lot of uh, confidence. They have this unbeaten streak. So it seemed like it was a a perfect little setup for Mexico to win the tournament, and then they fell out of the quarterfinals. You know, once again, you know, like many times that we've seen before in the World Cup, Mexico stumbling in the right, in the, like right outside the group stage in the first first round of the knockout round. You know, so I think I'm going to remember it for a while. I mean, whether it's going to be a wake up call for Mexico, I, I think that's a different argument as well. Um, I think a wake up. Unfortunately, I think if if if, if there would be a wake up call for Mexico, and I would ha- I hate to say this, I think it's Mexico not qualifying for the World Cup. Yeah. But uh, that's a that's a that's a different argument right it's there. It's never but, gonna yeah. happen, mostly because Concacaf gets four and a half spots. So. <laughs> <laughs> it, it just it's not gonna happen. If I mean, if the only chance it wouldn't have it would have happened is if Australia stayed in the uh, Oceania Confederation, because then Mexico would have played them. But they moved up to the Asia Confederation, so Mexico the worst Mexico has to do is play against New Zealand, which. Piojo won with Le- the Liga MX All Stars, so <laughs> America, America and friends. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean that's. But you know what? Hey, 
there's always there's always the next game, the next tournament with Mexico. So, I don't know, any any final words, guys? Got to touch on? No, well, just uh, to touch upon that that point, I I'm honestly more optimistic than you guys. I think that this was. I'm so pretty cool. optimistic. I'm pr- the uh, only way I'm not optimistic is if we fire Osorio. Then I'm back to great. Here comes La Volpe again. No, I think. This will be forgotten by October. I mean, uh, people will talk about, it. yeah, Mexico lost seven zero, but it, it's not Brazil losing seven one at home in a World Cup. It's for me. I, I was in Brazil during that during that time. This does not compare to that. Uh, I think they, like I wrote, I don't think the the level between Chile and Mexico, the difference is seven goals. I don't think it's seven goals. I think it's a lot less than that. I think as good as. Chilean soccer is as good as they've shown it. I mean, they just won the Copa America. They're a brilliant team, uh, technically superb. But regardless, I think Mexican soccer is still on top of one of the at least top four, top five teams in North America and South America as a whole. Uh, I think that won't change it. I think uh, you just have to look at Edson Puch, who who's the guy who scored two goals against Mexico, is actually going to play at Necaxa. I mean, come on. What does that tell you about Mexican soccer? I know people say, well, yeah, it's because all the extranjeros and stuff like that. Uh, but in a way, a lot of countries in South America wish they had the culture and the setup that Mexican soccer has. Uh, and that makes Mexican soccer better than, than most countries in South America and especially in North America. I think if there's a moment of reflection, it, it would come with a tragedy like not qualifying to a World Cup, like Cesar said. But in this case, I think that We'll go back to normal. Mexico will go back to beating people in Coca Coffin, maybe qualifying to World Cup and doing, you know, fa- fairly well there. But it's not going to change. I think, I think we'll forget it eventually. That's my opinion. Cesar, do you yeah. think with the, well, the USA is about to start in a couple minutes? But do you think if the USA gets any farther, it's going to hurt even more that seven zero? I know they're not going to beat uh, Argentina, uh, yeah. but you, you know, if, if the US advance. That loss, that seven zero loss, I think is gonna hurt even more. Do you think so? Uh yes, most definitely. But that's just I mean, that's just from my own personal perspective and I you know, I loathe and like really dislike the US men's national team. I respect them now. I mean when I was younger I used to say some awful stuff. <laughs> I respect the team now. But um yes, personally I think I mean just from my own personal perspective, and I'm sure for a lot of fans it uh it will hurt. And I think uh I mean, what I want, and I know it's not going to happen, is I want the U.S. to lose eight nothing, nine nothing, because just because you know we do live here in the states, and you know I, a lot of my friends who watch soccer, you know I, mean, I do have a lot of friends who support Mexico, but I also have a significant portion who support the U.S. men's national team, and if, of course, any time one does slightly better than the other, you know, you know they rub it, you know, rub it in each other's faces. So, uh, yeah, I think it'd be it would be uh, difficult for me to see a. Uh, the U.S. continue to do well, even though overall it would benefit CONCACAF and make us a little, because we are, the U.S. and Mexico, you know, constantly, you know, take jabs at each other and, you know, talk about how great they are in this region where, which they should be dominating, you know, but, um, but yeah, for me, I I think, and for many other fans, I think it'd be a little painful. All I say is the Confederations Cup or the Confederations draw is in December. I don't think the U.S. is going to be there, right? (laughs) (laughs) it's funny that you bring it up wouldn't chile possibly take on mexico in the confederations cup as well hey man payback yeah so hopefully piojo has a good plan for mexico then because we all know he's gonna be the coach by then because if he keeps coaching (laughs) cholos like he's been coaching man (laughs) he might need a job 
Dude, he just brought over Juan Carlos Medina. He brought over Yasser Corona. This <laughs> is go-to guys. He's, a, he's already getting ready for the for the 2018 uh, playoff against New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, this has been episode 17 of the Colorful Kid Podcast. Uh, Cesar, tell the people where they can find you. Uh, you can find me at Sassage Football on Twitter. On uh, let's see, where else can you find me? You can find all my work on ESPN right now, four four two. I'll have an article in a couple of days for four four two about Juan Carlos Osorio. Um, yeah, anything soccer related in San Diego area, I write for Soccer Nation. And uh, other than that, you'll probably just find me running around the local park or grabbing some pints at the local bar. <laughs> what about you, Rafa? So MexicanFootcom on Twitter. Again, it's just writing on FMF State of Mine and my own website, Mexican Foot. So, yeah, let, let's see what happens with this U.S. game. I'm actually looking forward to local kid Jossie Sard to see how he does today. Who? The guy with that great first touch? Yeah. Oh, come on. <laughs> I, I think he's a great player. I'm just going to say it out there. I know I'm going to get a lot of hate, but I like Jossie. Uh, instant unfollow. Hey, you you got to be careful when, when you, you got to be careful when you give uh, just a little bit of like a uh, of like positive like uh, comments about U.S. national team players. Like I feel like we're not allowed to. But anytime you say just like one little thing, people jump on you. Oh, he's a local kid. Come on, I have every right to <laughs> to cheer for him. He's one of us. <laughs> he's one of the only local kids for you that's not Hispanic, probably. It's not Hispanic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you can find me at the Colorful Kit. Uh, thanks for listening, guys.